Hello and welcome to the Sometimes Show. My name is Nathan Burchard and with me as always today is Britt Bird, our favorite municipal bureaucrat, joining us from Brooklyn in New York City. And today we will also have our first guest on the show, a close friend of mine, David Elkin from college and high school. He's a really good buddy of mine and he's a really smart guy and really funny guy with perspective that often just really seems to cut to cut to the core of an issue uh, in a really great and funny sarcastic way. Um, he's part of the group Wrestlers, a house electronic DJ duo slash trio uh, based in Houston, Texas, our hometown, uh, a group that's really just going about it in the right way. They're making music that they like, that they think is good, it's pushing boundaries, and it's music that just uh, gets me dancing quicker and easier than almost anything I know. It's it's always a good time. Um, you can check them out at Wrestlers Music on SoundCloud and most social media. I think they've got some stuff in the pipeline, and uh, we'll talk about um, streaming in the music industry a little bit in in one of the other segments of this this round. Um, and another note about the the music that we feature on our podcast, we're obviously not making any money off of this. So just try to include some songs that I like that uh, from some artists that, you know, are really far from anything that uh, you might hear on the radio or so. Our theme song is clip of Elvis's Flaming Star by Pond, really great band. Um, and then featured on today's episode is Idealistic by Mind Enterprises and Zillionaire by Now. That's N-A-O. So, you know, check them out. Um, I think they're really groovy and, you know, support them. Shazam them. <laughs> um, and... We're still, you know, kind of figuring out what we want this podcast to be. So if you have any any questions for us, stuff you want to hear, stuff uh, you think we do well, stuff we could do better, hit us up, tweet at us, message us. If you're listening, you probably know us. <laughs> um, but yeah, here we go. I don't know. Y'all want to talk about the VP debate? <coughs> I missed I didn't- it. I didn't really yeah, get I didn't to watch, watch it. it either. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I was I was working, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, Did I you, saw uh... I saw the the follow up spin and everything, but yeah, yeah, I, I read about it. it. Did you hear the latest though that Hurricane Matthew is a liberal conspiracy? Oh. Oh, probably. Yeah. Why though? Uh, to make an exaggerated statement about climate change. So who who manufactured it? Uh, you know, probably the Jews. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the, the... Obama did. Or they form off yeah. the coast of Africa. Yeah. Kenya's in that's Africa. That's a little conspicuous, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's, no, but... it's... Matthew might even come up the coast to me in Virginia now, so... Oh, man. Yeah. You take the boy out of the Gulf, but you can't take <laughs> the Gulf out of the boy. That's right. Man. I was you. thinking about this though, about 
Everyone's like, Everyone I need has... to buy gas and water. I'm like, no, you go buy tequila for a hurricane because <laughs> it's a hurricane party. Yeah, I feel bad up here. People will still kind of like, you know, talk up Sandy a lot, and I just have to resist the temptation of like showing them pictures of Bolivar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Be like, okay, calm down. Right. But then that's dumb too, because then it's just like competitive. Yeah, competitive disaster suffering. Right. Yeah. Which is stupid. So. Check your natural disaster privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know death and destruction like I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering though if if some of these guys who are listening to I think it was Matt Drudge who tweeted out that he thinks it's a liberal conspiracy. Oh good. If people listen to him and then they don't evacuate. You know, and like hopefully everything goes well and like no one actually dies, but they, they are there <laughs> they're there and they endure a horrible hurricane. Like what is the thought process then? Are they like, damn They blame it on Obama. Well the they the liberals tricked them into thinking the conspiracy wasn't a conspiracy, but then what? <laughs> like I d I don't know. What do you do in that moment? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. Time will tell. God forbid someone dies, because then it would be like, oh, this is obviously an assassination. <laughs> assassination by hurricane, the most the most uh, efficient only, way of assassination. Only the political elite could get away with such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jill Stein the wouldn't do that. Yeah, no. The political elite have been favorites of Poseidon for years. You know this to be true. <laughs> They're in the pocket of big ocean. A big yeah. ocean. So politics have clearly uh, changed Big a bit since we last spoke on this podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, when was the last one we actually put out? Because we recorded one in June that I didn't get to. I think last last time we put one out, Bernie had not yet conceded. Oh, my God. So, that seems like a lifetime ago. I know. This whole alt-right thing has really blown up since then. It's made the news more colorful, yeah. to say the least. I think... What's funny, too, is, like, I think the Pepe the Frog thing has then oh, yeah. now led to, I've seen the New Yorker and the Houston Chronicle tweet about memes. And oh, yeah. I think we can blame memes going fully mainstream on the alt-right, then. Oh, I've... Man, there's a lot... I think there's a lot to say about this. I've wanted to talk about this. All right, yeah. Okay, did you read the New Yorker piece by... I think it was by Jesse Single? Which one was that? It was very good. He was saying that uh, he basically kind of argued that if that we if he thinks we've kind of allowed ourselves to be trolled more than we think, mm. we're really underestimating the extent to which a lot of these alt right guys are just like totally nihilistic trolls. Right. Which presents an interesting problem because he kind of ends up saying like. I suppose this isn't quite a problem. Like, it's no one's fault that we're getting upset. It's totally reasonable to get upset at, like, you know, violent anti-Semitism. Sure. However, there, he, he's just like, it's hard to shake this feeling that we're just, that the journalistic class is kind of just being led around in the dark by a bunch of nihilistic 15-year-olds. And part I mean, of me thinks that there's, there's a, at least a degree of truth to that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the media, I think... I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest parts of the election that like people will look back and study on was how just the media got used, and so I think, oh yeah, just by like 
the perpetual outrage machine, but yeah. And that reminds me, I mean, you, you asked about the VP debate a second ago, and I think one interesting thing about the, the aftermath of the VP debate is that it seems like it might be a slight changing point in how the media is reacting to these things, because I've seen a lot of journalists specifically make an effort to call out Mike Pence's lies right. and be sensitive about the whole false equivalency thing that they've been getting a lot of flack about the whole campaign right. season. Uh -huh. so maybe, to be optimistic, maybe we're at an inflection point. True. I definitely do see the more, Where the like... media is... Re... What's up? No, you go ahead. Um, <laughs> um, I do see how the media is, like, calling it out more, but one, that's just going to make people who are on the right think that the what they their opinions about the quote-unquote mainstream media being left-wing. And then, sure. two, in the VP debate, the, like, the clips I saw, it was just Pence just denied every single thing. And so yeah. I, I just don't know, like, what's the point? What I want Hillary to do on, in the next debate, the next time Donald Trump says, like, Oh, I never said that. This is just like pull out her phone with the clip and like <laughs> have yeah. the video play. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. But it just seems like they say something and then they say they never said it and then that's right. it. Well, yeah, it is interesting to me that Hillary was more successful than calling out Trump than Kane was with Pence. It's because, largely because Trump is such an egomaniac and such an airhead that he couldn't resist himself. The scary idea is if you get someone who employ, who's like Trump and lies as much as Trump, but is less incompetent, which might happen right. next time around. Right. Well, that was the thing, like, Ted Cruz kind of really scared me the most out of those Republican right. candidates because he's not incompetent, at least in terms of kind of how to use a law to his benefit and he's really really sly and also just like cannot be trusted and he when it right. was kind of looking like it was going to be between trump and cruz like that was a pretty bleak i was like man either one of right. those guys but ted cruz almost more because he could very easily run a run a functioning campaign Trump right. was unknown, but won. Cruz, like, you knew wanted to burn it all down. Even <laughs> though everyone hates him, like, they would have definitely gotten behind him. And but at this point, he probably would have had more support from his own, you know, people. So, yeah. Right. And he probably would have won. Right. Which I think is probably one of the things that everyone realized at the vice presidential debate. So, you know, what I saw afterwards is kind of like some conservatives saying, oh, man we had just had literally anyone else up on that stage like <laughs> this would be so easy but yeah too little too right. late yeah but back to the alt-right thing i think that is interesting because i feel like it's on the internet you never know if you're getting the nihilistic 15 year old troll or like that fringe guy who actually does believe in like authoritarian monarchy or something right. you know um and i guess they're getting 
like just dredged up, dredged up, dredge, dredge. I don't know. Dredge report. What's what's dead. what's yeah. the verb when you like dredge? Dredge. Okay. Dredged up into like mainstream conversation. Yeah. But. Um, I mean, I guess it's the idea that. Um... Oh, okay. I, I've also part of this whole alt right thing, and I think the the one of the explainers that went up on Vox that got spread out a lot was that this idea that. Um, a lot of the alt-right guys are explicitly doing it uh, just to get a reaction out of people. And that, like, you know, over time, out of habit, if you just keep on saying these things, you, you eventually kind of convince yourself they're true. And you kind of just become a racist anyway to a certain point where it becomes moot. But the persistent theme that they talked about was that, like, there was almost a sense of rebellion against, like, what was perceived as the authority, which was, like, you know mainstream liberal diverse you know positive views right which i think people are correct to point out that like that's ludicrous to point out that you know that that is a predominant view in our society but it's fascinating to me that there are kids growing up nowadays who see you know their parents liberalism as the authority and that they're contrarian to the extent to which that they're like using Nazi memes just to get outrage out of their parents. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's like their grandparents are the hippies from the 60s or younger. And yeah. so that's that's what's the entrenched thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it's a total total reversal of, of what we assume as being like a, a rebellious attitude, you know? Right. Like we, our generation and then all the way back to our parents' generation themselves, all just assumed or, or correlated, you know, anti-Vietnam peacenik attitudes with being, you know, a rebel of sorts. Mm-hmm. Right. The, and the state and the establishment was like the the hawkish Cold War thing. But Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it is scary with the with the kids actually. When I was working at at this at the in summer school at an elementary school this summer, some of the kids who were Hispanic would come up to me and would just be like, "You know Donald Trump? Like, you heard what he said?" And it's just like, it's really real, man. Like, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Like the kids are picking up on it. And well, what else? So what 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 do they say after that? They would just be like, "Did you hear what he said?" And I think they're just kind of like trying to feel me out. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, he's he's saying some really terrible things, you know? And I didn't, like, get into it, but, yeah, you know. These are kindergartners. No, okay, no, 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 no. It was it was older kids. It was, like, okay. third, fourth graders. Okay. They were like, you know, he wants to, like, kick all the Mexicans out? Like, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I remember in, like, fourth, third or fourth grade, I think was the Bush-Gore election for me. And I remember being, like, aware of what was being said. So it makes sense that these kids that are a little older, I mean, their parents are probably talking about it. So it's... Yeah, definitely. You kind of don't think about it, but, I mean, obviously what Trump's been saying is carried down as well, which is bad. Yeah, they pick up on more than you think they do. Exactly. But... um. 
Yeah. I heard that some of that, I don't know how true this is, I should have fact-checked it, though, is that kids' hearing literally is better than we assume. Because as you get older and you listen to more things and go to more concerts and stuff, just through the natural things of life, you slowly start to lose your hearing. So a kid just sitting in an empty house can probably hear you talking downstairs a lot better than you assume. Oh, wow. That's interesting. That's tangential, but... <laughs> right. No, that's, that's cool. Just saying, that's cool. We'll keep it in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously... <laughs> it sounds, sounds good to me. Like. Obviously, rock and roll is evil. That's <laughs> the point. Right. <laughs> sounds scientific enough, so I'll buy it. Yeah. Talk about like the character that is Gary Johnson, though. Okay. I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, I, the man. <laughs> the one thing I, I had, I had about, no idea how weird he was. He's a strange, a strange little man. Yeah. Um, I like. I don't know what he's. It seems like he's just kind of like winging it and trying to like be a chill dude like that seems like what they wrote down on paper was like be a chill dude kind of yeah do you think what's your opinion on whether he's actually high all the time or not he said he quit to run what i heard he quit smoking weed to run for president do you think he really did because i i've Uh, talked to friends who are convinced like most of the jokes aside that he's actually just still high all the time and that explains his demeanor i don't know i think he's i think maybe sometimes but i think even even if you're running as a third party i still think you don't blaze up before you go for a tv interview on cnn yeah not I think if he's serious. enough hopefully has enough common sense for that yeah i mean to what extent do you think he actually wants like thinks he'd be president though like of course he's optimistic but to what extent is he realistic i don't know it's kind of one thing i read an interesting article when i was like doing some some research on the whole third party vote and and everything and it was basically like you know these third party candidates going like into the whole how realistic is he being you know you have to wonder like how much they're saying things, these, you know, perfect plans that they're not ever going to be held accountable to what they're promising because there's no way they're going to get elected. You mean any of them or? Yeah, any of them. Oh, you the know. third party guys. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to get elected so they can say whatever they want and, and make their platform as good sounding as, as they want it to be. And then they're never going to be right. held accountable to it because they'll yeah. never be in that I position. I think I saw the structural disadvantages for them are so steep. Basically, yeah. anyone who has any sort of real political ambitions or desires basically doesn't go to them. And I heard an account of, of somebody went to the Libertarian Convention 
oh man out, it's it's basically just a lifestyle convention almost anyway <laughs> it's like everyone there is like totally eccentric which is you know cool like eccentricity is cool but like it's almost not even about the politics is what right. they're saying it's just like you know people who know each other who are hanging out yeah one of the late night talk shows i don't remember if it was john oliver or samantha b's show i think went to the convention and you it just it looked kind of like a music festival with just like yeah it's just like when you enter the grounds of a music festival it suddenly becomes okay to do so many other things that would just kind of be not wrong in like regular society but like yeah just you wouldn't like why would you do that like you know wearing a butterfly costume and like i don't know doing acrobatic yoga or something i don't know sure sure but yeah i i it felt like with ron paul that there was actually more of a cohesive movement there and it was like a wing of the republican party but now it doesn't feel like that anymore yeah the whole paul revolution and you know both for rand and ron kind of fell flat yeah who are they where are they right now like who are they supporting are they supporting trump are they supporting johnson maybe i saw one gary johnson yard sign when i was in austin and it was like all right respect like yeah I mean, it's. I feel like polling for these people is kind of hard because the the sample sizes are so small that it's kind of hard to pin down a typical Johnson or a typical Ron Paul voter. Right. There's the stereotype of like the the nonsensical millennial who went from voting for Bernie to voting for Gary Johnson. Right. <laughs> and it, there's surely somebody out there who's doing that because they're just there are. Right. But. I think it's pretty safe to say that that is not typical. No. Yeah. I would think they'd go to the Green Party. I would say. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, Which, thankfully, has seems to have subsided. Yeah, for a Jill while. Stein's eccentricities of her own have been properly exhibited. Right. I feel like every week or two, like, it'll bubble up on, like, my Facebook feed or something of, like, Facebook friends, like, the debate of voting your conscience versus, like, not. Right. <laughs> um, Being useful. Uh, but my th- my thing, and I'm not entirely sure about this, and I'd like to bounce this off more heads, is that, like, with our system, it just doesn't really make sense. Like, oh, in, yeah. in a parliamentary system, like, they have to make coalitions and, like... So there's other parties make more sense, but with president, like it's it's you're directly electing them, and so it, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge enthusiast about voting reform, and it annoys me that third party candidates, um, and even people like Bernie, who ran in one of the major parties, don't focus more of their efforts on electoral reform. Yeah, I mean it's not I mean, sexy. Well, yeah, people say that, but like, if if these people are serious they should try to you know try to find something sexy about that yeah we'll say that that i've seen more pieces in in large publications you know like new york times large circulation that are kind of more and more casually mentioning electoral reform really yeah still a long way i mean i don't think it's really a, a real thing yet and there's so many barriers before that becomes a real discussion right but people are pointing out, you know, how, how 
basically we've reached a point where I think the phrase was we are no longer a two-party country, but we are two countries of one-party countries or, or a nation of two one-party countries. Gotcha. Where increasingly the cities and blue states are democratically controlled and yeah. red states are permanently Republican controlled. Right. It's getting pretty firmly like urban yeah. rural, which is to some extent like expected, I would think. But yeah, yeah. my other thing about the third part, it's like if if I feeling I guess just as like a side note, if you really want to vote for a third party candidate, like vote for your third party candidate for Congress. Like Right. That's what makes more sense. Um, exactly. Because like, and then they'd have, then like they'd get their agenda into the legislature, and then have to like make a coalition, blah 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 blah. But, and then like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, to go into your um, point, like Brit about uh, like electoral reform, it's kind of like if you if you're thinking about voting third party, like don't necessarily vote third party. Why don't you go work for the one of the two parties that you feel maybe the most connected to and work within that party to try to make the party change from within and then hopefully change the party that way then just kind of effectively throw away your vote um, like on a yeah. conscious vote in the election you know our country is so big that like a republican from Maine is so different than a republican from Alabama that there's already these like you know, the parties are really diverse within themselves, too. Right. right. Probably less so, more and more. Yeah. I mean, that, that also leads me to something. There is that due to the, the way the presidential elections are run, and then to a lesser extent Congress, you're kind of always going to have two parties no matter what. Right. So that even supposing that the Libertarian Party does fantastically well and, like, outdoes the Republican Party and overtakes them and then permanently overtakes them. They become a more significant nationwide party than the Republican Party. Voters actually behave very rationally. Now, everyone, and this happened in, in the UK, actually, at the turn of last century, but on the left rather than the right, but everyone from the old GOP would just move over to the Libertarian Party. Yeah. And they would basically inherit the same base. Pretty and it much. would be a you know, center right, right, I don't know, depending on the specifics party that would have different leadership and maybe slightly different style at least, but then different still colors. fundamentally the same interest. <laughs> yeah. 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 And over time would probably regress to the to the norm. Yeah, I mean I feel like they're gonna regress to like getting as many voters as possible to right. entrench their power and thus like dilute themselves to be as appealing as possible. Yeah. Cool. All right. There, solved it. Let's see. Solved it. Politics, done. Um, yeah, do we want to move on from politics? Oh, no, that's not what I meant. I just meant oh, that okay. we, just hand, we just handled the issue of politics. I don't know, politics. what else? Yeah. What else is on the... There was the one other thing that I remember being like more eager to talk about a while ago. It was like... So was it the Turkey thing? Yeah, it was the 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 Turkish rally in in Germany thing. Um, oh. I mean, all right, I, I can just 
start it and we can see where it goes. All right. Um, so basically this summer when I was in Germany, I was in um, Cologne, which has like the biggest Turkish population in Germany, which, you know, is a huge tar Turkish population overall. And um, when I was there, there was a pro um, Erdogan rally in Cologne, Germany being put on by the Turkish government and they were like bussing people in from all over bussing Turkish people in from all over Germany like Turkish Germans um, and one it struck me as really strange that like Germany even kind of allowed another country's government to put on a rally for their government um, inside Germany. And then two, I guess I was talking to my friend about it. And so even the people, so in the U S if you're born here, you're a citizen, that's not the case in Germany. Um, so all of these people whose parents were from Turkey and are Turkish German were born in Germany still aren't German citizens. And so they end up having, um, they don't identify as being German as much as, say, you know, first-generation Americans do. And, um, but then that, like, I feel like that was causing some other issues. Like, I guess I related it to, all right, this is getting long, so how people on the right want to do away with, was it the 14th Amendment to where, like, people can't come here and have a baby and then that baby be a citizen, right? But then that's what the case is in Germany. And it doesn't really, it seems like it creates new problems because then you have this huge population that then is, like, loyal and... Um, not integrated into your own population. Are the are the Turks in Germany, are they still Turkish citizens? I think so. Mm. And I probably have to do more research about it. But, I don't know, it just, it seemed strange. And then, like, interesting as a point that, like, the argument on the right to not have uh not have anchor babies like wouldn't solve the problem that they think we have yeah i think it seems like it would just make it worse it's completely completely uh closing the possibility of assimilation right <laughs> um, where and you know in the first place we don't really have a problem as it is now in my opinion uh, right but, you know, getting rid of natural-born citizenship would be a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. It is interesting, yeah. though. I've seen, I've seen a, a map of uh, countries in the world that offer natural-born citizenship uh -huh. and those who don't. And it's basically just the Western Hemisphere versus the Eastern Hemisphere. Really? Yeah. Uh, I wish I knew more 
fact, historical reasons for that, but it was a, is an incredibly popular idea at the time of you know the New World revolutions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to give natural born citizenship at the time, and it just never even occurred. It was not an endogenous idea in in Europe at all. Yeah. I mean, I guess to some extent it does make a little more sense because, like, over there, the ethnicity and the nationality and the language are all more wrapped into one than they are over here. But Yeah. I mean, I think some of it as well is that, at, you know, unless you're Native American, at one point your family came here and went through the process of patriation. Yeah. Of, of getting it. So when you have a child that's born, I think it's intuitive to think, like, oh, how does this work now? oh, I guess they, you know, they should acquire citizenship. You think about the process a little bit more because you actually have a family history of going through it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have just been in England since time immemorial, and yeah. you're not even thinking about that process at all. Citizenship yeah. is just, like, slightly more abstract. Yeah. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, anyway. One thing maybe, I don't know, right. this is maybe... Is me speculating, but it's also interesting that it's not a European phenomenon. If you kind of think about the fact that their borders are always changing, or at least were, in a constant state of flux until the mid 20th century. So yeah, you could be a British citizen under you know their rule because they invaded your country for 10 years, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, German property. So I wonder sure. if that kind of you know. What's the point of having this natural-born citizen if you're born into this country, but, you know, who knows how long it's going to really be for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the lines were, like, jumping back and forth or whatever. Follow us on Twitter at Sometimes Show. We'll post articles that we like and some things that are relevant to what we talk about. Uh, ask us some questions. You know, we could be on the air. Thanks. And I promise we'd be richer than a millionaire. A millionaire. Be richer than a millionaire. A millionaire. We'd be richer than a millionaire.
Thank you.